In continuing our Hispanic heritage celebration, we meet a Latina that has turned her passion of travel into her career. Don't go anywhere. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola. I hope your week is going well. Welcome. This is your host, Jen Hempill, and I am thrilled to have you here. I am curious, how are you celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month? Of course, if you listened last week, you know we started as of last week a little early, but of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And today we're continuing the celebration by meeting Janet Seha, a bilingual travel journalist, TV host, travel advisor, and a global public speaker. She shares with us some insight into her money story and why she thinks travel is a mindset, which I found fascinating. Lista, let's go meet this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Janet. I am so thrilled to have you here on the podcast. I know we've been connecting, just having the limited conversations we can have on Twitter because of the Twitter account, but I was just so glad to have you here and get to know you. Thank you, Jen. I'm so happy to be here. I am a fan of yours. I admire your work. And yeah, this is such a great way to connect in this virtual norm that we're currently in. So it's great. I'm happy to be here. I can't wait to where this conversation takes us. So let's start by going back in time to maybe when fuiste una chiquitica or maybe a teen, a memory, an event, something that really impacted you, how you thought about money. Wow. Good question. I guess I could say I realized money when I would go to visit my grandparents in Mexico City every summer. And growing up, I got an allowance weekly for doing small chores. And the way I spent the money was really funny because I would go to the vending machines (laughs) or wherever the store and I would buy snacks. So I guess you can say I'm a natural foodie. So it's still true to this day. I would just spend money on food and snacks. I'm a chip girl. So I love chips. So I literally would spend all my allowance money on chips in Mexico or here in the States. I was born in California and I would spend money. And I remember I would be hooked on that show, Unsolved Mysteries, when Robert Stack was, I think, the host. He was still alive. But I was so scared to watch it alone that I would pay my brother, my older brother, either in chips or I would pay him in my allowance money just to sit there. He didn't even have to watch it, but I didn't want to watch that show alone. 
So yeah, I guess you could say since a young girl, I also did the traditional lemonade stand. And oh, here's a fun and really random thing I did with money, Jen, probably about middle school or so. I don't know why my friends and I had the idea of we just wanted to go by the pool and buy snacks and vending machine. That was like what we wanted to do every weekend. So I had this idea, you know, people need to take out their trash because at that time we were living in apartments, my family. And I said, I wonder if we could charge people like a quarter to go take out their trash for them to the trash chute. And it's so crazy. It's so ridiculous. But I would knock on people's doors, which is probably not the most brilliant idea. I was like, hi, can we take out your trash for 25 cents? And they would just look at me with like, oh, that's so adorable slash, you know, sad. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like 25 cents. So they would feel sad for me. They'd give me a dollar. I'm like, oh my God, a dollar is going to buy me a whole bag of chips. And the trash chute was like 20 feet away. So it really wasn't like, it wasn't like a big, it was not a big deal, but I found a way, right? Because I also think my mother didn't want me to eat so many chips or snacks, right? So I found my own way. And so, (laughs) and my older brother and his friends caught on, he's a few years older than me. And we were doing our weekend runs, taking out people's trash for a quarter. And a neighbor said, oh, a guy just came with his friends and just did it. So my brother caught on to it and started doing that. So I think that's brilliant because even though, like you said, it was only maybe 20 feet away, I know with my boys, something as simple as taking out the trash, as taking out the recycling is so challenging for them. Like they don't have time. It's like all of a sudden they just are too busy. I don't get it. I'm like, it's only going to take you like, a minute, maybe a minute and a half, depending on how slow you walk, right? Right. I don't think even it takes that long. So I think that's brilliant because for those people, or even if you were targeting the teens or the kids that that was their chore, I don't know. I think that's brilliant. I have not heard. This is a new one for me. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. It's kind of embarrassing, but slash, you know, it is what it is. I love it. I love it. And then the fact that you, well, first of all, Unsolved Mysteries, still to this day, I won't watch it. I've never watched that. I've been too scared to watch it. And that you paid your brother. I love that. Either in chips or money. That is just so, so awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. But I'm also curious in your time when you were growing up, did your family have conversations around money? Was that something that just was not talked about? Yeah, it was interesting growing up with my parents because they both came from different upbringings. My mother is from Mexico City, from children of eight, and her mother was a stay-at-home mother, and my grandfather worked, was the head of an electricity company, and his relatives gave him land. So they kind of had a more middle-class upbringing in Mexico City. My father, he comes from Michoacan, a small town in Michoacan called San Antonio Huaracha, and he was also one of eight children. However, his upbringing was, you know, his parents both worked, and because he was the older child, he started working around 12, 13 years old, you know, didn't finish high school, didn't go to college, and they lived in less abundant circumstances. So it was interesting how my mother came from that background. My dad came from a different background. And together, 
their mindsets about money were so different. Like my mother's was abundance and there's always more. And, you know, my father's was more scarcity. Like, no, you have to work, work, work. School is a luxury. College is a luxury. I heard the saying from him, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, things like that. And then with my mother, she said, oh, you know, such a optimistic and abundant view of money. So I grew up with these conflicting mindsets. I don't know what my relationship really was with money. I was, I liked it, but then I thought it was wrong to like it because I I don't know, I thought you had to struggle. So it was always conflicting growing up. Interesting. Because you had both and then that led you to have a conflicting view. That is interesting. Now you're a journalist. You also love to travel. And I'm curious what came first, because would you say, well, you work in journalism, right? So I would say you tend to like it, right? So what came first, that love of travel or the love of journalism? Such a good question. And it really goes back to my childhood, just as a girl being glued to the TV, watching all these travel and history shows and discovery shows, and just being a sponge and saying, wow, this world is so big and really just not knowing anything. And my love for travel also began going to Mexico City every summer, spending time with my grandparents, speaking only Spanish, solamente Espanol. And my grandparents would take me around Mexico City. And and it was beautiful to learn about my other culture and my relatives, language. But I also remember reading the newspaper as a young girl, probably about seven, eight years old. Every night at dinner, I would read the newspaper to anyone and everyone. So I had a love of communication. So travel and then communication. And I really looked up to like Katie Couric or Christiana Amanpour, these women who were out doing international stories. But then when I started to watch the news, I have so much respect for the news because we need it. However, my personality is not really for that. I meaning like... I want to show you the beauty of the world. I don't want to show you the conflicts and negative. Mm. They're both necessary. However, I choose to be a messenger of the beauty of the world as well. I feel like it's a balance. So I want people to learn and understand different cultures and countries and to be exposed to that in a different way than maybe the news will. It's really been my purpose. I love that. I love how clear you were of like, I don't want to do this, but I do. This is the message that I want to help communicate. I love that. Before we continue, I have a brief message to share. Her Dinero Matters is supported by First Republic Bank. First Republic Bank has made it their mission to understand their clients' needs and provide them an unparalleled level of service. With a relationship-based approach to banking, First Republic provides tailored solutions to individuals and businesses with their financial needs. At any stage of life, whether it's opening a savings account, buying your first home, or starting a family, First Republic's commitment to personal service is designed to change the way you feel about banking. See how putting clients first always comes first at First Republic Bank. Visit 
firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com member FDIC equal housing lender. Now, with your love of travel, has there ever been a time where money has been a barrier because you report or you write about travel? I mean, in in your work, that's what you do. But has there ever been a time where it's been a barrier? Money. Yes, definitely. I think my personal relationship with money has affected me in every part of my life, including career. I also worked in entertainment reporting and I worked in sports for a few years in Los Angeles. But the dream and the purpose for travel was always there. However, I was always told, oh, you want to work in travel, but you have to work your way to the top. It's going to take time, limited jobs. Most magazines are 80% freelance written, so be a freelance. That kind of mentality I was told. So then I didn't really pursue it 100% because I was afraid. I just didn't see how I could. There wasn't really any person saying, do this, do that, do this. So I held on to the dream of doing my big dream of all time since I was a young girl is to do a travel show. And in the way that as a Latina, as a woman, we definitely need more representation. We need more diversity in the narrative of the storytellers and of the hosts and producers on the creative side. As a young girl, I didn't see that. I mean, we still have amazing hosts that have come through through time, like Bourdain, Samantha Brown, Rick Steves, all these amazing travel blazers who have led the way over the past 15, 20 years, and they're still doing it, which is amazing. However, where are the more women and where are the Latinas, Latinos? And that is something that I, to this day, have been talking about for so long at conferences all over the world. And I really feel it's time in 2020 that we have more representation in the travel industry, in travel media, in media, in every sector, really. But I just didn't see myself out there. So it kind of propelled me to not do it. But now I have so much belief in myself, my purpose, and my why is for other young girls or, you know, the younger generations that are growing up who might want to see someone who looks like them. Like, oh, you know, maybe I could do that one day. And if it's a woman, she doesn't have to be like a supermodel or an actress or, you know, somebody who's just influencer, someone who doesn't have really the substance and the passion and the purpose for it. And I think in this day and age, we want authenticity, we want substance. And I feel we are outgrowing the days of surface level anything. I mean, I feel like that's where we're going. So I agree. And and to your point in terms of definitely needing more Latinas and just being that example and not having to be the celebrity, I think people are just wanting to connect. It's just that one little piece that they connect with. It can be more than one little piece, but once they find when that once that person connects with you because of whether it's some story that's very similar to theirs, there's just one aspect, then it's done, right? And it's just amazing. Like, I know you've been able to impact and 
influence and just be a leader for Latinas. And then with this podcast, it's amazing how other women have decided to start a podcast and finances because they've seen me. So it's like, if I can do it, you can do it, that type of mentality. And I think that's fantastic because we don't need to be afraid. (laughs) We just need to be us and do us. Yes, our whys might be something maybe for our family, but I I love that your why is just, it sounded like it was to really be more of an example too for other Latinas, which I love. Yeah, thank you, Jen. And you are leading the way as well in your podcast, your industry. Like I said, I admire what you're doing and you know, your why as well. So for me, my why is to keep building this inclusive travel movement so everyone can feel seen, heard, and included. And this year alone, I have contacted travel conferences, contacted a lot of events where there were zero or little to none Latino or Hispanic representation. And some of them went without any kind of response. And some of them said maybe, and some of them said yes. So I think that it's just a time of just going out there no matter what they say. And if there's not a way, then just creating our own, right? And paving a new way. And it's really exciting because travel, in my mind, is also a mindset. Like money is a mindset. Travel is a mindset. Now we're in a pandemic, so it's a really unprecedented time for travel. But even before the pandemic, people would come up to me and say, I want to travel, but I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. But they would just put all these blocks before they would even allow themselves to dream of going somewhere or doing a trip. And I would say, okay, well, just like money, travel is a mindset. So if you want to travel, Travel can be anything from getting your car and going to the local park, going to the museum. You can stay within your own city, state, country, which is what a lot of Americans are doing during the pandemic. They're exploring the outdoors. They're doing a lot of domestic travel. So it's kind of a mindset. Also, if you want to travel, it depends how you want to travel. There's different kinds of travelers. There's foodie travelers, luxury travel, adventure travel. There's travelers who just want to go camping in nature and just be off the grid. And some of those things... Not me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a nature girl, but not really camping. But some of those things don't cost really anything. I mean, you can go to your local park, do a picnic. I drove the other day, two weeks ago, to Fall Creek Falls, because where I'm at right now, it's a park, and just did a picnic, went out there, came back the very same day. I mean, you can travel... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Within any kind of means, time, or budget, I just think it's informing travelers that it is possible no matter where you are, what your circumstances or time. I think if we really want something, we'll find a way. And if we don't, like Jim Rohn says, we'll find an excuse. Absolutely. How bad do you want it? Do you know what I mean? And in my journey, it's been like they say that success, it's not a straight line, basically success. And I've always been very open about any of the times I've struggled or failed or learned and whatnot throughout my journey. Because when people can look at you, especially on social media, they see this 
highlight reel. But in reality, I think it's important to share also what you've learned through your journeys, including failures and whatnot, because that is important. And I'm always happy to share about that too. I so love this perspective. (laughs) Now, when in your travels, I'm just curious, what has been a place that you have traveled to that you were pleasantly surprised about? And what is one place that has been the most economical to travel? That's such a good question. So my top three places, because I get asked this question a lot, my top three places in the world would have to be India, Egypt, and Cuba. And they are all so different from each other and full of just so much history and culture. And I loved each destination. India really impacted me because it it was more spiritual than I expected. I felt when I was in India, I had a life-changing experience. I went to Delhi. I went to Agra to see the Taj Mahal. I cried because you see it on magazines and TV shows. And then when you physically go and you can be there in person, it's like a dream coming true. I say Cuba because it was the first communist country that I visited and it was just so different, but the locals were so friendly and so welcoming. And that was a time when I think Obama was still president, when we were Americans were still really able to go. And then Egypt, I went to Egypt this year was the last trip I did was in March of this year, right before the pandemic (laughs) really took off. And I spoke at a conference in Cairo and I'd always wanted to see the pyramids of Giza. I'm obsessed with the Egyptians and just, ah, everything about ancient Egypt. So when I went there, same, I had this out-of-body experience. I was crying tears of joy. I remember touching the pyramids and you could actually go inside one of the pyramids of Giza and ride a camel, do the whole thing. And it's just, that is the gift of travel that keeps giving, I believe, is when you can experience it for yourself. And I was more than impressed with Egypt, how friendly and welcoming the locals were, also about India and Cuba. So I was impressed with all three of those countries. Love it. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything. If you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. And then in terms of like, which would you say was most economical, like to travel? Because of course, it all depends, you know, getting there to those three places, depending on where you're at. True. Let's take away getting there. (laughs) Let's just pretend we're there. Okay. Let's take away the travel to that destination. What would you say is the most economical? That is a really good question, Jen. I would have to say maybe Romania. Okay. Or, gosh, that's such a good question. I don't really know. Because here's the thing. It depends on how you want to travel. And it also depends if you're doing solo travel or you're traveling with other people. For example, if I do solo travel, I tend to do things on my own and like breakfast. I'm not a big breakfast person. So I'll just do a coffee and then I'll do like a light lunch and I'll, 
I spend less when I'm on my own than maybe when I'm with people. Makes sense. I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. But here's the silver lining. I think you can go to pretty much any destination and make it economical based on how you want to spend your time. For example, you can do a hotel, you can do Airbnb, you can do a house swap where you swap houses with people abroad. You can also do, if you go to Paris, for example, you can maybe get coffee and a pound de chocolat, a, a local cafe, and then you could do a little picnic and have a picnic at the Eiffel Tower and maybe go out to one nice dinner. I mean, you can make it work. It's just when people think of certain destinations like Paris, like New York, like all these places, they all be, oh, it's too expensive. But you can make it work, I think, like any destination, like Los Angeles, you can make Los Angeles work. And Los Angeles is just as expensive as many of these cities. It makes sense. I think it's just on what you mentioned, your mindset, and I think on your priorities too, right? And just having an open mind too, to exploring other possibilities, right? That's what I think. Yeah. I'm curious because currently at the time of the recording and really possibly when this goes out, we're in a pandemic. So I'm curious with your knowledge on travel, what do you think is going to be some of the lasting impact on how the pandemic will affect travel for the long term? I personally and professionally take it on a day-by-day basis because it's ever-changing. Since the pandemic officially started in March, there have been so many waves of good news and bad news. And what I really feel is for everybody, I mean, from the aviation, the hotels to the tour operators, I mean, everybody in the travel industry has been affected. And the lockdowns, of course, I mean, the lockdowns have affected all the industry and and people like Americans, we can't really go to a lot of the world at this moment. So it's a really complex question that I think everybody is asking themselves and everybody is trying to figure out on a daily basis. At this moment, France is on a partial lockdown. So is Spain. So is Ireland. England just announced they were going to do it. Everything is changing in Italy. So right now, I don't think anybody really knows. And as far as recovery, I feel like that may take a few years to get back to the pre-pandemic. I also feel that it's going to depend on the traveler's sentiment. Do travelers feel safe to travel? And if so, are they willing to go abroad or are they going to stay local? And this year, because of all the lockdowns and the pandemic, the trend is that a lot of travelers are staying local and doing domestic travels. And then the economy too have lost a job, their own personal finances. And yeah, there's just so much. It is definitely complex. But I'm thinking too, like, I mean, right now we've been wearing masks for, my gosh, for a long time. (laughs) It seems like I'm basically going on a year. And I'm thinking those type of habits that we have started may continue. Like when we travel, like, I am careful in terms of sanitary, washing my hands, but I am not that person on that plane that necessarily wipes something down before I use it, right? I mean, I'm not that to that. So I'm thinking now with 
the things that we know and we've experienced, I probably will be doing more of that. And those of you listening is, again, I do wash my hands. It's just, I don't take it to certain extremes, but I think that mindset of mine is, is changing. So I think in just in general life too, but in travel, I think that's going to be changing for me. And I don't know what else would be changing. I would just think the sanitary. Yeah, the sanitary. <laughs> the sanitary aspect. The sanitary aspect. And that's always a concern for people who are doing pandemic era travel. We have the holidays coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, which is always a huge time for the travel industry. Now, will people stay home? Will people go visit their families? Were lockdowns? Also, some countries are requiring 14-day quarantines. Everything is ever-changing. I mean, it's I take it on a day-by-day basis because it's just too complex to take it all in at once. So many layers. So many layers. And every country, they're doing their own thing and they're handling it their own way. And we are as well. And I just feel that, like I said, I hope that the travel industry and people feel safe because there's better hygiene practices. Now airports and planes are doing more to ensure that, which I think is going to be better in the future. Now flights and airports will be more hygienic than ever before. But again, it goes back to the sentiments of the travelers. Do you want to travel? And if so, when and where? And I think only time will tell because it's something that everybody is trying to figure out. But I personally don't really know. And I don't think anybody really knows. I think we're just taking it as we go. It's really interesting. But I hope to travel again. I mean, the last major trip I did was in Egypt. And honestly, if that's the only trip I do this year, I'm happy with that. Right. I'm okay. But I do hope that the future in a year or two people will be able to safely travel more and feel confident and will have this COVID situation, I don't know, taken care of more. So yeah. Right. I know one thing that I'm doing is because we noticed all of our passports in my family have expired. So that's something that we're taking care of now because I don't want to, oh, this, we're going to be in this pandemic forever. We can't travel. And then the moment we can, (laughs) because there's a delay right now, on the passports anyways, because the offices aren't necessarily open, limited people, all that good stuff. So I just want to make sure that I take care of that now. Smart, Jen. Yeah. Because I love, I love travel and I know we haven't been too. able to really, really travel. This past summer was our 20th anniversary. We wanted it to go to Greece. Oh, congrats. Oh, oh thank you. But I'm like, okay, that trip and thoughts and everything is out the window for now. I say I'm excited for the future and times where we're just in turmoil, but I'm excited to get back to traveling whenever that is. And I'm curious, what is one thing that you wish more people would know or appreciate about travel that if they knew this one thing, it would get them really excited? I feel my professional and personal purpose is to unite humanity through travel, which is so intense. But the reason why I pretty much dedicated my whole life to this industry and just travel and media and communication was because I know that travel can help unite rather than divide humanity and people. 
And it can help break a lot of the stereotypes and all the isms that exist, like racism, sexism, ageism, all these ageism stereotypes that are out there. But until somebody can actually and physically go and visit and meet the locals and have their own experience and base their own opinion, then they can realize, wow, you hear all these, like Mexico, when I say I'm going to Mexico, oh, you're going to get sick the cartels, this, this, all this. Or Colombia. Or Colombia, all this fear. The trafficking drugs. I know, verdad? Like all this fear, like any place. I say every country has some kind of stereotype or fear. When I go there, I go, really? When was the last time you went? Oh, I don't, I just heard it on the news. Okay. It's like reading a movie review and not seeing the movie based on one review. Why don't you watch the movie and then base your own opinion and see if you like it or not? Because we can watch the same movie, the exact same movie, and you may love it and I may not like it, or I may love it and you may not like it. It's all about our experience and our perspective. That's the same way I see travel. I think the more that people can travel and especially get outside of their bubble or comfort zone or country, the more they will see that we are more alike than we are different. And that will unite us and help us understand that we're a human race, we're humanity, and we share this one big, beautiful planet. And especially during these times, I mean, you know, this election that's going on, the pandemic, why not come together now instead of dividing, instead of, you know, having all this it's just to me, it's that's the beauty of travel. I feel like it ha- can help unite us and it changes perspectives and it makes us more grateful for wherever we do live when we come back to our homes. Every trip I've ever done, I felt more grateful, more gratitude, and just a better understanding of humanity in that sense. Because no matter where I've gone, I've done 60 countries so far. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm so far behind. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, it's totally. I know some people in my industry who have traveled all 196 countries, including North Korea and Antarctica. And so I'm behind in my industry. So don't even worry. It's just whenever you can, for me, it's wherever I've gone, whether it was Europe, I've lived in Australia, I've lived in Italy, wherever I've gone or traveled to, we all fundamentally want the same things. We want to be loved. We want to do what we love. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be appreciated. So it goes back to the basics. And that is what I've seen 60 times in 60 different countries. And that's why I think that the more people can travel, they'll realize, okay, we're all alike. We just may sound different, look different. We may eat different things, but it's beautiful. We can look at it as a beautiful thing. That's how I feel. I love that. Uh, Janet, this has been such an amazing conversation, such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for everything that you shared, especially this last piece, because it serves as inspiration, definitely to me and to the reinas listening at this very moment. So thank you so much, Janet. And I'm sure we will connect again soon. My pleasure, Jen. Yes, yes, I would love that. Thank you. It's been great. What did you think? Is she phenomenal or what? You can connect with Jeanette at Jet Set 
withjanette.com. And instead of spelling all of that out, just go to the show notes and it is linked up there. So that is Jet Set with Jeanette, two N's and two T's and her name.com. The Reina of the Week, we've been doing this, we've started this up recently again, is Dolores. And I selected her for being determined, for staying with it and seeing it through. She has overcome some challenges recently and literally has seen it through with grace and determination. She is not the type that gives up. And I really, really love that about her. Another thing that I want to mention before we wrap it up, I want to let you know, if you don't know already, is that I can answer your specific questions on this podcast. And who knows, it may be a little bit of a segment of an episode or that particular question, I can turn it into a whole episode. So don't be shy. Ask me your questions. You can do that by going to jenhemphill.com forward slash Ask Jen. I've made it super simple for you to do because you can leave me an audio if you want to talk. But if you'd rather just write out your question, you can also send me an email at jenhemphill.com forward slash ask Jen. You will find all the details for that. I want to hear your questions. By all means, send me all your questions. Next week, we will meet another phenomenal Latina named Joanny Perez who is making waves and helping restaurant owners have success in opening and thriving in their restaurant business. Now, I don't know about you, but I would shy, for me, restaurant business owners, I admire because that's a lot and a lot of work. So I love that Joanny has stepped up to help those restaurant owners just really have success, have support in a business that is not easy to run. And I can't wait for you to meet her. Bueno, pues, that is everything. I appreciate you taking time to tune into the show, to support the show. You can check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 278. And to refer to everything that you need from the show, remember these show notes are timestamp. So if there's a specific time of the episode that you're like, I need to re-listen to that again, instead of trying to figure out where it was in the show notes, you will see the different, the main areas timestamp. So you can go directly to that piece and start listening from there. Very, very cool, right? Now, remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.